Good morning, everyone. Let me just lift this up a bit. How's that? Um, let's keep the Bible there rather than taking that away. Um, good to be here with you. Um, so we're carrying on our Passion for Life series. Um, how are you finding it? How are you finding it? Don't shout out your answers, but um, um, have you put anything into practice yet that you've learned? How is it going for you? I wonder whether those are some questions. If you're in a home group, you could um, discuss with your home group this week. Now, I've um, rather helpfully been given three um, topics to talk about today, just in one. So that's always good, isn't it? Um, and those three topics were prayer, the Holy Spirit, and God's Word. Um, and we're mainly going to be thinking about prayer um, today. So if you've got a Bible, keep it open. Otherwise, I think the passage will come up in a moment as well. But let me just say a quick prayer before we really start, shall we? Father, please speak to us. Please take these words from Scripture and may we hear your word to us. Amen. Have you ever grown fruit and vegetables? I'm sure many of you have. Um, one of the things that uh, we as a family like to do is to go to the Picaron farm, whichever way that is, somewhere up the road from here, isn't it? And if you go at the right time... Um, let's say, for strawberries, you arrive, don't you? You just see these kind of red dots everywhere. And as you get there, you basically just have to look at them and they fall off into your punnet, don't they? They're so ripe. You barely have to touch them and they just, they just fall off straight away. Now, have you ever picked blackberries? Blackberries can do the same thing if you go at a different time of year, autumn. Have you ever picked those in a field or in a park rather than your home? Um, Sometimes when you get to the blackberries, you can see the mass of blackberries there, but you can't actually get to them because of the thorns, because of the brambles, because they're just out of your reach. And Jesus says here in verse 37 that the harvest is plentiful. But I just wonder what sort of harvest that is. Is he talking about strawberries or blackberries? Is it easy or difficult? Because, of course, in some parts of the world, it is a bit like strawberries, isn't it? Someone was telling me this week in a certain part of Nigeria, they're planting a church every week. They're literally seeing thousands of people converted. And I know in Iran, they're seeing lots of people come to faith, remarkably so, what God is doing there. But in England and in Wick, it's not quite like that, is it, at the moment? It's not quite like that. Um, and it's not that we disagree with Jesus there is, the, the harvest is, is plentiful. Um, we can see it. We can see that people need forgiveness. We can see that people need healing. We can see that people need reconciliation with God through Jesus. But to go back to our Blackberry example, before we can get to that fruit, um, it almost feels like we need to do some pruning or at least get a ladder um, because the harvest is plentiful, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. So what do we see in our passage today? I think there are two things um, that I would like to draw out. And the first of those is Jesus' motivation. Look at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has compassion for the crowds. Remember, these are not his intimate followers. These are not people who, so to speak, are part of the church. These are the masses. These are people who have just come out to see what's going on. 
Some of them, I'm sure, are interested, and some of them, maybe not so interested, but they're following the crowd. Let's see what's happening. And it's interesting, Jesus' response is one of compassion. He's not frustrated by them. He's not angry with them. He's not overwhelmed by the numbers. And neither does he just say, oh, they're fine. They're okay. They're fine. Glad they're here. He cares for them. He's moved with compassion. And he doesn't want them to stay the way they are. So what does it mean for us to be moved with compassion towards people? The first thing to say, very simply, is that Jesus saw them. Look at that, verse 36, when he saw the crowds. He saw them and he didn't ignore them. And I think compassion often starts when we stop and take notice of what is in front of us. In order to help this, what you might call, what someone's called recently, the spiritually starved culture to encounter Jesus again. Do you know, we can't just march up to people and say, come along with me, I know what's good for you. Uh, you know, that's not helpful. That's not going to work. Jesus sees their needs. They are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Leon Morris, in his commentary of this, says the phrase sheep without a shepherd points to people who are in great danger and without the resources to escape from it. But compassion isn't automatic. Now, I don't live very far from here, um, and uh, probably a month or two ago, I was walking down the road, um, just down the end of a road. I think I was on the way to Janice's house, actually, to deliver some money um, from our football on Tuesdays. And um, I walked past a particular row of flats on my left-hand side when I do that. And um, often when I walk past that house, those flats, I, I pray for the people there. And I, I don't know why particularly I pray for those flats and not the people in the houses, but that's what I do. I guess I just imagine that in those places that some people probably find in life quite tricky and they could do with knowing Jesus. But on this occasion, as I walked past, and I, I don't think I was feeling particularly pessimistic that day, um, but I just had this thought and I just thought, I'm not sure that those people in those flats, I don't know if they're ever going to actually hear the gospel. <laughs> and even if they did, I think the majority of them would probably just dismiss it without even thinking about it. And worst of all, as I thought those things, those cheery things, I, I just thought, and I don't even feel particularly stirred to do anything about it. Just to be honest, I just feel exhausted. And I wasn't feeling much compassion that day. And I guess the reason I tell you that story is one because perhaps you feel that way sometimes too but also the reality of the situation we face isn't easy you know we do not live in a culture where people are eager to come to church and it can be easy to respond to that situation in front of us with frustration to feel overwhelmed just to feel like giving up and I know I felt all those things at different points. 
And as we come to this subject of evangelism and, and prayer in a minute too, it's right to acknowledge that for many of us, you know, we come with a history of hopes not being fulfilled. You know, I can't count the number of, number of meetings I've been in where people have said things like, oh, the, 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 you know, the breakthrough is just around the corner. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> and it wasn't. And we come with those disappointments. Again, how many of my friends have walked away from church and from God in the last 20 years? How many prayers have I prayed for people and my family has yet to be answered? It's hard to be compassionate when you feel let down or you're carrying that weight of disappointment of years, of wanting something to happen. Wanting to see that, what was it, the magic word revival, wasn't it, many years ago? And not seeing that happen, that's hard. And perhaps if that is, that's something you could talk about with someone in your home group or someone you trust even this morning. And just say, do you know what, I think I am carrying a weight of disappointment. I feel it hard, find it hard to be compassionate. I just feel frustrated and let down. And maybe you could um, receive prayer from that. Because what this passage encourages us to do is not simply to sort of push out again into the sort of emotionally choppy waters of hoping for a revival. Um, nor is it a call just to give it another go. Um, but Jesus' word is true. And Jesus is still looking at crowds of people with compassion today. My experience may not currently match up with the scriptures but Jesus has said the harvest is plentiful the potential is huge here everywhere not because it looks likely but because of God's grace sometimes it can seem a bit pointless to share our faith but that isn't how God sees it God's heart burns with compassion and love for those that don't know him. And he sees things that we don't see. Jesus' motivation. Secondly, Jesus' means, you might say. So what is Jesus' prescription? Um, all this compassion, what's it welling up into? We might be slightly surprised by Jesus' answer. Because the first thing he says to do is to pray. Pray is to pray. Verse 38, Jesus says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He doesn't say, get busy. Uh, he doesn't even say that we should pray for the crowds, strangely. He says that we should pray for workers to go, to ask God to send the right people, to ask God. Prayer is something that we all probably need. My car had an MOT this week, and sometimes our prayer lives need an MOT, don't they? Um, maybe more than annually. Because we all struggle at different points with prayer, don't we? I've not met a Christian who hasn't said at some point, you know, I've struggled with prayer. Because it can feel like going uphill sometimes. But regularly drawing near to God in prayer is so important for so many reasons. Let me just have a little drink. I've had a bit of a cough this week, but... Um, be pleased to know all my tests have come out negative, but let me just have a cough. I found this quote in a book I was reading. Part of being on the discernment process means you read books from Christians you'd never normally read them of. Um, and uh, Stephen Cottrell is the Archbishop of York, and he's from the Anglo-Catholic tradition, 
um, which is wonderful. Um, and he writes this. For nearly 10 years, much of my ministry was involved in helping churches engage with the ministry of evangelism. On many occasions, I would go to a church to talk about evangelism and sit down with their PCC or another group within the parish. And uh, after about 10 minutes, I would shut up about evangelism and start talking about prayer instead. To put it bluntly, you can't give what you haven't got. How silly of us to think that we could ever be effective in evangelism unless it arose from authentic and lived spirituality. The chief reasons many churches struggle with evangelism and so much more is that they are not places of prayer. I find that quite a challenge, really. Challenge to us, maybe as a church, challenge to me. The year before I got married, so let's say that was 15 years ago, um, I uh, was living in South London at the time, and I moved um, before my life was about to change dramatically when I married Collie. I moved house, um, so just to change it one more time, and uh, I moved from what you would call the nice part of town <laughs> to the slightly more rougher part of town. And the reason I did that was because I'd been meeting some people in the high street who lived in that area, and I thought, Do you know what, I want to go and live down there and, and just sort of share my life with them and bring something of God's kingdom to that area. And um, after a few months, an older lady um, in the church I was at at that time, she asked me, because she'd heard I'd sort of done this, and she said, how are you getting on? How are you getting on down there? And uh, I sort of shifted my feet slightly, and I said, well, um, uh, well I've, I've been getting to know my neighbours, and uh, I've, been, um, I've, been, I've been praying, and, and I kind of felt a little bit embarrassed. I hadn't done any sort of bigger work down there other than getting to know people and praying for my local area. And I never forget what she did. She just sort of got all serious, and she looked me in the eye. She said, prayer is the work. <laughs> prayer. Prayer is the work. And, you know, I've never forgotten that. Because I think when I was younger, I used to think that prayer was something you did before you did the work. Do you know what I mean? Um, I thought that, you know, it was, prayer was sort of a, a bit of a starter before the main course. Um, and that doesn't mean, of course, we never do anything practical. Of course not. It doesn't mean we never open our mouths and tell people about Jesus. But prayer is so important and it is a work in and of itself. And in our passage here, Jesus singles out prayer, doesn't he, as the really effective thing. This is the really effective thing to do. Uh, to, this is what needs to be done, is to pray. And I say this to myself as much as anyone. Don't give up on prayer. I know some of us, we find prayer easier than others, but just don't give up on prayer. Because, you know, the forces that oppose God in this world would love us to do that. But the Bible encourages us in so many places to keep persevering in prayer. And I wonder whether perhaps you could ask, as we build up to Easter, as we build up to some of these outreach events for Passion for Life, I wonder if you could ask God, what new ground or new area or new people or the people I'm already with but in a new way, what are you asking me? Who are you asking me to reach out to? Because in chapter 10, if we carried on reading our passage, we would have seen that the disciples were actually an answer to their own prayer, that they're going to go out two by two and do the, thing, do the stuff of bringing the kingdom of God. And I just wonder if you can ask God this week, Lord, is there any new area you want me to move into? Any new people you want me to engage with? 
But alongside this point on prayer, we need to also mention the role of the Holy Spirit as well. The Bible says in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit will help us to pray. And of course, Jesus says famously in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? To be my witnesses. And I know this is stating the obvious, but we are not called, and God does not intend us to do this on our own. We cannot pray as we should. We cannot share the message of Jesus without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And a little drink of water as well. Now, I'm not going to ask you this question because I'm too polite, but I'll ask myself it in front of you, if that's all right. Um, and the question is, quite a serious one, really. If I was to look, if I look at my life, if I look at my life, and if I look at the power, and that's not a word I would normally use, but it is the word Jesus uses here in Acts. If I look at the power of my prayer life, or the power of my witnessing to people about Jesus, from, what, from that, would I say that my prayer and my witnessing looks like it's empowered by the Holy Spirit? And you might say to me, nah, you mustn't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> you mustn't judge by what you feel, you mustn't judge by what you see. God's doing so much that you don't see or feel. And let's all agree to be kind to ourselves, shall we? But I think nevertheless, it is right sometimes just to take a sober, compassionate look at ourselves and just say, where am I at, actually? Is my prayer and my evangelism, or my outreach, or my witness, or my sharing Jesus, is that, is that empowered by the Holy Spirit? Am I experiencing all that God could be doing through me? And I just encourage you this week to consider asking God for a fresh filling with his Holy Spirit. Again, why not talk about that subject in home group? That would be a wonderful thing to discuss. What does that mean? What does that look like? And I wonder, and I think, I'm going to do this this week, so why don't you join me in doing this this week? But why don't you pick maybe three occasions this week? Maybe when the kids are in bed, or if you don't have kids, when you, know, you turn the TV off, put your phone down, the washing up's done. And maybe just pick 10 minutes on, say, a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday, when it's good for you. And you just sit down, or maybe get on your knees, and you just say to God, please, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Please come. I want more of you in my prayer life. I want more of you when, it, when those times come to talk about you. And then wait and see what happens. Now, Pete Gregg, the founder of 24-7 Prayer, he says, can I be honest with you? I'm actually not into prayer. <laughs> I'm into Jesus. So we talk. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God. So I ask for help a lot. And a guy called Jeremy Jennings, who you've probably never heard of, but he used to be the director of prayer at Holy Trinity Brompton and the Alpha course as well. Apparently, I was never there, but apparently he used to end every prayer meeting by saying to everybody present, you have made a difference. 
you have made a difference. And that is the reality, that prayer makes a difference. When we ask God on behalf of others for his kingdom to come, when we ask God to send the right people, it makes a difference. God is so eager to hear our prayers, so compassionate towards us. He loves us. He loves it when we come and we speak and we ask. So I encourage you to draw near to God and he will draw near to you, it says in James. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Can we pray now? I'm just going to um, finish with time of prayer. Father, however we come this morning, disappointed or enthusiastic, Lord, we come before you, God of compassion and love. And we ask you, draw near to us, fill us afresh with your spirit. Help us to do the things we can't do on our own. And Lord, we pray for Wick. We pray for the events that are to come that this church is going to put on. Lord, we pray for this area. We pray that you would send us to the right people. And we ask, Lord, for a move of you. Break through all of those reasons that people have, Lord, for not engaging with you, we pray. And draw people to yourself in this area. Lord, we ask you to move in Wick and Littlehampton. We ask you, Lord, as your people, come, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.